Welcome, it's indisputable, I'm your host. Rashad Richard, good to be with you. We got a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, my contributor Adrian Lawrence, author, attorney, and TYT contributor. Also, Garyon Frankel, commentator, Young Voices. We're going to debate about education and politics inside of education. Should be an interesting debate. Top story of the day, a Georgia sheriff decided to put his hand down the dress and touch the breast of a black female judge. This was a white male sheriff. The judge happens to be a television judge who used to serve in Fulton County as a state judge that is in the city of Atlanta. This is an update to a story that I brought you when it initially happened. Let's put up the picture of the sheriff and the judge. The sheriff. His name is Cody. Cody is out of Bleckley County, Georgia. Cody was indicted, officially now indicted, okay? The woman you see is Judge Glenda Hatchett. Judge Glenda Hatchett was at a sheriff's convention in a place called Cobb County, Georgia. At that sheriff's convention, that white elected sheriff decided to put his hand down her dress and touch her breast. He did this in front of her date, who's also a sheriff, a former sheriff named Thomas Brown. I'm gonna give you some background to this insanity. The Cobb County Solicitor's Office, they have officially charged a Georgia sheriff Accused of groping a prominent former judge, prosecutors said former Bleckley County Sheriff's Chris Cootie groped Judge Glenda Hatchett at a sheriff's convention earlier this year, okay? Now, I did some background on Sheriff Cootie. Sheriff Cootie, according to the record from post-certification, records show the state patrol fired Cootie in 2007. After a bizarre series of incidents resulting from a domestic dispute, including allegations, he let a 12 year old drive his patrol cruiser on the highway and hindered investigation of a domestic incident. But he then later decided to run for sheriff after being fired from the state troopers and Bleckley County residents voted him in. Let's put up a picture of Judge Glenda Hatchett. I want to say this for the record, uh, Judge Hatchett is my friend. I've known Judge Hatchett for many years. She's one of the most remarkable people you will ever meet. When this happened, I received a phone call that night. I was aware of it. We reported on this story on Indisputable. I did not disclose her name because she didn't want her name disclosed at that time. Today she's willing to have her name disclosed because she's getting ready to tell her story. Let's keep her picture up. Let me remind you of this remarkable woman. Judge Hatchett has served on the board of three Fortune 500 companies, HCA, The Gap Incorporated, etc. Hatchett presided over two Emmy nominated nationally syndicated shows. Judge Hatchett for 13 seasons, Sony Pictures Television. Judge Hatchett won a PRISM Award for Best Unscripted Nonfiction Series for a special for television. Judge Hatchett serves as the national spokesperson for CASA, Court Appointed Special Advocates. I happen to be an ambassador for that organization. We work with foster children, 
and we help advocate for them to get permanent placement. That's the kind of woman this is. She was sexually assaulted. Now, when I give you the background of how it happened, it is going to make your blood boil. Let's put up a picture of Sheriff Thomas Brown. Sheriff Thomas Brown is a decent guy. I've known Sheriff Brown as well for many years. Sheriff Brown is the former sheriff of DeKalb County, Georgia. That is located right next door to Atlanta. Sheriff Brown brought Judge Hatchett as his date to the sheriff's convention in Cobb County, Georgia. She was there as his invited guest. Channel 2 spoke with Sheriff Thomas Brown, the former sheriff of DeKalb County, who is listed as a witness to the incident. Brown said that remembering that day brings back many unsettling feelings. Sheriff Brown said that Judge Hatchett was his guest at the conference. On that day, Sheriff Cootie groped Hatchett as he was introducing her to sheriffs at the Renaissance Atlanta Waverly Bar. That gives you the scene, all right? There's more. Sheriff Brown said three sheriffs came to the stand-up table, including Sheriff Cootie and the president of the Georgia Sheriff's Association. Brown said he turned his head from Sheriff Cootie and Judge Hatchett as they were talking. Here's what Sheriff Brown said, and I quote, as I turned to my left to focus back on the two of them, I saw his hand go down her left breast. Brown said, I grabbed his arm and threw it off of her chest and basically said, what are you effing think you're doing? And that's basically where it ended. Now that's according to the sheriff and other witnesses, Sheriff Brown grabbed Sheriff Cootie's hand and threw it off of Judge Hatchet. Now I know I'm not supposed to say this, okay? I'll cop or no cop, that's a closed face action response, period. That's in the defense of others, it's completely legal, it's within the context of law. There's more. Sheriff Brown said he was so angry that his first reaction was to do more than take his hand off of her. She was there as my guest, so I was obviously upset, Brown said, obviously mad. He was obviously intoxicated and my response would have been and I obviously don't give a damn. Brown said Hatchet told him the incident shocked her. After that, she had a rough time of it, according to Sheriff Brown. Um, there's more information here that's not contextualized in the article. When this happened, this happened in front of other cops including the president of the Georgia Sheriff's Association. None of them arrested Cootie. All of them had the authority to do so. Why is that? Because in the state of Georgia, a elected and elected sheriff is a constitutional authority, which has arrest powers throughout the entire state. Meaning every single sheriff at that um, Renaissance Bar had the authority to arrest Cootie. It was done in their presence. It was done uh, physically to a woman. 
and every single one of them did nothing, not a damn thing. Not one of them utilized their powers for good to effect an arrest on Cootie for obviously sexually assaulting Miss Glenda Hatchett, a judge. Now, it doesn't matter that she's a judge. The fact is, it happened to her and Cootie should have been arrested. So after the incident happened, it took weeks for the Cobb County authorities, the location, the jurisdiction that it happened in, to even investigate and render a conclusion. As soon as they render a conclusion, they take out a warrant for the arrest of Sheriff Cootie. Sheriff Cootie at this time is on the run, okay? He knows what's coming down. So his sheriff's office, they release a statement saying, "Oh, the sheriff is not available because he's on a Christian missions trip. He eventually turned himself in to satisfy the warrant. He has now been officially charged by the solicitor. Channel 2 Action News did receive a statement from the sheriff's office and Cootie after he turned himself in. Sheriff Cootie said he takes the charges seriously and will comply with all legal obligations placed upon him. Now here's the thing, Cootie, the sheriff has admitted to doing it. Let me show you, Cootie said that while it would be improper to contact Judge Hatchett, He looked forward to personally expressing his regrets for an offense at the appropriate time. He has admitted to the issue at hand. He wants to apologize for it. First of all, Yaz need to go to jail. You you should have received an ass whooping that night. That's what was supposed to happen, but it didn't, okay? Because you were among colleagues and your white privilege along with your badge obviously is unstoppable. I mean, you can do that in a room full of police and nothing happens to you and you did it to a black female judge and not a damn thing happened to you. And they tried, they tried to kick this down the road. Cobb County didn't wanna really deal with this. Let me show you the man who's now in charge of prosecuting Sheriff Cootie. Let's put his picture up. His name is Barry Morgan. Barry Morgan is a native of the state of Georgia. He's the Cobb Solicitor General, okay? What happened to the very basic notion, the human notion that we are to protect people who are vulnerable in our societal construct? She was a guest at a sheriff's convention and the only criminal was a sheriff. And then the other criminals decided to provide aid to the original criminal. Do you really think they care about the rule of law? You gotta think about the context. You take that into any other context, let's say, you don't have police officers, you have a company outing, okay? Something like that happens, likely the police are called and the person is apprehended, right? It doesn't matter what job, it doesn't matter what industry. Typically, if somebody does that at a function, somebody's going to jail, but not the police. 
Um, Adrian, you are an attorney and you have a background dealing with this kind of harassment. Tell us what you see went wrong here on various levels, obviously. Well, what I can first and foremost tell you is that what the sheriff was doing was exercising power. It was a thought that he wanted the judge to play small. He saw a black woman, an individual of dual marginalized identities and in a position of power. And so what he wanted to do was to check her, to make her play small, to make her feel small. This wasn't about sexual gratification in any way. This is about feeling powerful and feeling stronger and better. And the thought that I can assault you among other law enforcement members of the community and nothing will be done. And that's exactly what happened here. And so that was one of the biggest failures in terms of having these individuals whose job it is, who is who are charged with enforcing the law, simply look away. Even though this individual is a judge, and this is also why, you know, it, it just makes me truly, truly just realize the fact is that we as black women, we can elevate and go to all different levels in society, but still individuals will still take this effort to try to tear us down and use various means of doing so. And here the sheriff used sexual harassment by way of an assault and a battery. And again, with the time that it took to actually proceed with prosecuting and seeking charges against the sheriff, again, that delayed sense of justice, that denial, the fact that the judge had to continue to work and to push for some semblance of justice here tells you how our system is so incredibly broken because at bottom, it is here to serve cis white male hetero yeah. individuals in our society and particularly individuals like the sheriff. Yeah, we're gonna continue to follow this story to completion. Um, and listen, let's keep the pressure very high, all right? Developing story, Delaware State University students, majority black college by the way. Their lacrosse team gets pulled over on the university bus in the state of Georgia. And the deputies bring drug sniffing dogs to the university bus. Here's the first video. So the deputy is saying that they're actually looking for narcotics. So they decided to pull over the lacrosse team, the university bus, and bring in drug sniffing dogs to find narcotics on the bus. There's more video, here it is. Dun, 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 dun. 
as a college professor, it is heartbreaking to witness something like that, to see it. And to realize this is quite normative for our young scholars, okay? Deputies knew those on board were on the lacrosse team. The deputies were aware of that. The Delaware State University students received an education about potential racial profiling and questionable law enforcement practices with a charter bus traveling through Georgia as their classroom. Let's put up a picture of them going through the bags of the children of these college students. Liberty County deputies searched the team's luggage in this photo. This photo was taken by one of the players on the bus. Now to give you a little bit of context, they were playing a tournament in the state of Florida. After the tournament, they were headed back to Delaware and they had to go through Georgia. On their, on their way through the state of Georgia, Liberty County decided to pull them over. Georgia has 159 counties and the vast majority of them operate just like Liberty County. It's certain to be a lesson they'll long remember. But this occurrence has raised eyebrows well beyond Delaware State University. It's women's lacrosse team traveling north on I-95 in Liberty County, Georgia, southwest of Savannah. This happened on April 20th, we're just getting the information today. The Hornets were returning from home after playing their final game of the, of the season at Stetson University, this was in Florida. The bus driver, his name is Tim, all right? Tim Jones was initially told that he was improperly traveling in the left lane when the bus was pulled over according to DSU student publication, the Hornet newspaper and its website, the Hornet online. The incident was first detailed there in a story that published Friday written by Sidney Anderson, a sophomore lacrosse player who was on the bus and a direct eyewitness. Now you may be asking, how did this go from a questionable traffic stop to drug sniffing dogs and going through the bags of the lacrosse players? How did that happen? Uh, by that time, Liberty County Sheriff's deputies had begun removing players bags from the vehicle's cargo bay to search after asking Jones to open it, okay? Police had drug sniffing dogs at the scene. Let's put up a picture of the president of Delaware State University. Remember, majority black institution, his name is President Tony Allen, all right? President Tony Allen has something to say. DSU President Tony Allen informed the university community about the incident in a letter early Monday. He said, and I quote, in part, they like me are incensed, President Allen wrote. We have also reached out to Georgia law enforcement and are exploring options for recourse, legal and otherwise, available to our student athletes, our coaches and the university, okay? Let's put up a picture of the coach, all right? Delaware State coach, that's Pamela Jenkins. Coach Jenkins called the incident traumatizing on Monday and credited team members for staying composed. When team members saw their luggage being removed before a deputy had begun his explanation, they were stunned 
Jenkins said. She continued to say, the infuriating thing was the assumption of guilt on their deputies behalf. That was what made me so upset because I trust my girls. One of my student athletes asked them, how do we go from a routine traffic stop to narcotic sniffing dogs going through our belongings? The police officer said that on this stretch of highway, there are a lot of buses that are smuggling people and narcotics and they have to be diligent. Okay, you see this foolishness, right? This is just harassment, pure and simple of a lacrosse team. These are students seeking to become the future leaders of our society. And this is what happens to them because you want to harass somebody. Now, come on, you know good and damn well, this bus of lacrosse players, they're not smuggling narcotics, okay? This was their pretext for their false context to do exactly what they did. Uh, Governor Carney released a statement on Monday calling the video upsetting, concerning, and disappointing. Uh, let me take you to the sheriff. His name is William Will Bowman. Look at that. Black man is the sheriff of Liberty County. Now, sheriff, your deputies are out of control. Now, I don't know you, sir. I did make some phone calls, heard some bad things about you today. So let me say this very clearly and please make sure you send this to the sheriff. If you do not get your deputies under control, if you do not come out and make sure that these deputies are no longer with this department, you have my personal guarantee that I will help, I will fund and I will advocate for your opponent. You can take my word to the bank, sheriff. All right, Adrian, what are your thoughts here? Well, I think this is again, just another display in dominance. This thought that I can mistreat these people, I can abuse them. So what about their civil rights or protections? I am going to harass them and to wage microaggressions against them to have that inference of drug trafficking use. It's it's dehumanizing and it's something that unfortunately people of color experience every day. And in this case, it definitely seemed like this these members of the lacrosse team or from a marginalized identity being women. And so seeing these officers take it upon themselves to need to feel they can flex on these students. It just, it's pathetic, but at the same time, it's dangerous and it really does harm individuals lives. And it creates a further divide and disconnect between the average citizen and law enforcement. Yeah, if you had any student on that bus that had some level of respect and trust for law enforcement, gone, completely out of here, right? Now, not only are they traumatized, you have impacted a group of college students who will now tell other college students, who will now say, look at these cops, look at these dirty, violating cops. Is that what you want to be? And at some point there has to be a transformation, a change. And I'm no longer just talking about reform of police. We got to replace them. That's really the key word now, replace, replace, replace. You got to get a new stock because this one is rotten to the core. Okay, a Bronx woman, all right, a Bronx woman was falsely arrested for filming the police. They say she had a gun, she did not. We now have the proof. 
Uh, let's go to the video, okay? Through the wrongful arrest lawsuit shows the young woman never had a gun. Just like she said, it was planted there by the police. That is what happened. Now there are some who will say, well, you know, the police, they don't really plant evidence. Contrary to fact is your statement. Not only did this police plant a gun, just a few days ago, I reported on a Chicago cop that framed over 200 people. That's what they know about on the record. He likely framed thousands in his career as a law enforcement agent in Chicago. And they were well aware of his tactics and did absolutely nothing to stop him nor discipline him. According to New York Daily News, Aeneas Pagan alleges in court papers filed last month in Bronx Supreme Court that cops set her up when she was an 18 year old high school senior. I feel like you can never recover from a situation like this because once it's happened, you always have that thought in the back of your mind, said Pagan, now 22 and working at Target and as a home care aide. Please think about this, at 18 years of age, your worldview is still developing. You are recording a police officer, something you have the legal right to do. This police officer then proceeds to arrest you. And not only arrest you, but plant a gun on you. You maintain your innocence from day one. Let's put up steals from the video, okay? If you look down, you will see the foot of the officer. That is the move in order to plant the weapon. The 22 caliber handgun police said she possessed was found to have neither her finger, fingerprints. It did not have her DNA on it. Her attorney Wallerstein noted in an April 26th filing. Pagan had never been arrested, she had never been arrested before the encounter with cops on Fulton Avenue near Claremont. She says the ordeal began when she recorded police arresting her cousin Joshua Freeman for possession of a gravity knife and marijuana. So the cops got angry at Ms. Pagan and put her in handcuffs, she recalled. A criminal complaint alleged that she adjusted her waistband as cops approached. When an officer tried to stop her, a 22 caliber gun fell from a waistband to the sidewalk, the complaint states. She was charged with criminal possession of a firearm, which carries a maximum of four years in prison. There's more to this story. NYPD detective Richard Clary, who said in court papers, he saw the gun drop from Pagan's waistband on February 8th, 2019, has been found by judges in two separate cases to have given unreliable testimony. In other words, the judges said he's a lying SOB, don't trust him. In court papers, cops claimed a confidential informant told them that Pagan had a gun prompting the arrest, all right? The attorney told the Daily News his client's arrest was a classic case of planted evidence. The suit filed June 2020 
has been delayed by the pandemic and city attorney's failure to comply with court order deadlines. Judge Mitchell Danziger slapped the city with sanctions and a $2,000 fine in February for repeated failure to comply with this court's orders. The reason they're not complying is because they know it's a bogus arrest. Last month, the attorney submitted a motion for grand jury minutes to determine if any of the officers involved in the arrest lied under oath. The motion includes a detailed rundown of questions surrounding the case. There's more. Ms. Pagan had to show up to court roughly 12 times before the charges were completely dismissed a year later. She missed so much school, she graduated late. The charges were also dismissed against Pagan's cousin who sued and won, settled for $30,000. Let's put up a picture of the chief cause they're not giving us information on all of the officers involved. That's the chief NYPD chief Kenneth Corey. The NYPD doesn't comment on cases with pending litigation and it refused to answer any questions about the incident. Additionally, the city has denied any wrongdoing. Um, there's somebody who can actually still prosecute. Uh, let's put up the picture of the Bronx District Attorney, Darcel Clark. Ms. Clark can prosecute if she chooses, okay? A spokeswoman for the DA said the charges against Freeman and Pagan were dismissed because a civilian witness wasn't, was not available to testify. The spokeswoman also said that because the cases were sealed, she could not answer further questions about Pagan's arrest, including whether prosecutors were aware of Clarice Checkered history. Isn't this something? Why is the cop not in jail? Why? Planning evidence is a felony, it's against the law, okay? Why is he still free to do this? A judge cited him twice and said, mm, you know that guy, he lies. And what's the context of a judge saying a cop lies? The context is he lies under oath because he's lied in my courtroom. You gotta think about this. You know what lying under oath is? That's right, it's a crime. He's still a cop, he's still the police. Judges are saying he's criminal. The video says he's criminal, but the DA, the chief of police, the attorney general, ah, you know, he may have had a bad day. Until we remedy this, we will continue to have this us and them relationship between community and cop. And it's not the community's fault. The communities are victims of these out of control police officers. Adrian, thoughts on this case? Well, I think that we clearly know what the officer was trying to do in terms of intimidate this woman and keep her from documenting his misconduct. But the fact that she suffered such that she had to miss so much of her life and the consequences that came with that, it, it makes you wonder, you know, Who's really, really the criminal here? Because you clearly are employing a criminal who is lying on the stand, who is um, seeking charges against individuals who did not commit crimes and taking away their civil rights. And yet the fact is that he's still protected. The fact is that he is not facing consequences at all. It really just shows you that there's a reason why so many of us lack faith in the system. Because it is entirely broken and it's to our detriment when we try to hold it accountable. And the fact is that the DA needs to stand up and do what's right. 
so that this individual doesn't cost us more money because there are going to be civil rights lawsuits lining up and settlements being paid and that'll be out of the individual's pocket. So not only is he is he infringing upon our rights as citizens, but also he's taking money out of our pocket and yet the system continues to have him in place and to pay him with our money. That's right, listen, it's real simple, Madam DA. You always stand with the one who brought you to the party. Who brought you to the party? The police didn't bring you to the party. I looked at your campaign literature. You ran on a platform of transparency, accountability, police reform, criminal justice reform. The people who voted for you brought you to the party. Now that you're at the party, don't turn your back on the folks that got you there, all right? Okay, we got more on the other side, it's indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Let me remind everyone of a few things, okay? The watch list, big deal. Add the watch list to your watch list. Join the big homie JR Jackson Live. Weekdays, 12 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Watch live daily and follow on Facebook.com forward slash watch list TYT. And subscribe at YouTube.com forward slash watch list TYT. Amiga C the Silverhead Dragon says, no one, not one cop arrested him. If her date punched that disgusting POS in the mouth, I can guarantee you there would have been a dozen cops on top of him, guns drawn. You're right. You are absolutely correct. I would have happily taken that ride to jail. Imploded Brainy. Of course, those fascist cops did it on 420. Not Dweezel, aka Tail Wagon Dragon. These cops have an extra knife an extra gun, some meth on them most of the time to plan on you. And you got a question because we've covered so many stories of cops planting drugs. I mean, there was one story, um, the guy got in trouble because he started planting drugs on white people. And when these white people started saying in unison, no, that's not my dope. That's when the DA said, we must launch an investigation. Uh, and they found out, yeah, he was planting dope on people, he was planting drugs on people. But you're right, they have a stash to plant Drugs and weapons. Okay. Um, super chat, YouTube, about the sheriff. Shea Wallace says, I'm willing to bet that he's done that or worse before to someone else. He was entirely too damn comfortable. Come on, absolutely. That wasn't his first time sexually assaulting a woman. Yeah. Um, about the DSU, uh, Delaware State University team, uh, Travis say, Is racial profiling still illegal in Georgia, officer? Yeah. Um, Chichi Massey, last time I checked, you can't do drugs and be on a college sports team, or am I wrong? You're 100% correct. There's just the irony of the whole thing, right? Okay, uh, Twitch, uh, Robert1007, you have the best phrases, Dr. Richie. Close fist action response. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're a real friend. Back off! I'm going to tell the American man to threaten my life. Are you arresting me? Yeah. Okay, I missed the first part of the story. What happened? Uh, she was.
He went to spit on them, and then this free card just came. And she might just spit or said the N word or something. Okay. So they're not gonna yell for 20 minutes. Yeah, I'm just like drunk or? I said I voted sober. You voted? No, I voted drunk. You voted sober. I said but just one of those. She's just like on her phone, like she's like they're denying, which I paid for. And then the best part was she's like. I had to stay in Mississippi or Alabama. I hate Alabama. Which is just like, like this level of hysterical the entire time. She lost a shoe. This particular Karen decided to spit on airline employees, their staff. Um, the narrators, uh, they were everything to me. I mean, they sounded like they were narrating a PGA golf tournament. Okay, um, let's show the screenshot here. Woo, man, full Karenicity mode. <laughs> okay, um, listen, I'm not an advocate for airlines to stop serving the alcohol. I don't even know if that was involved. I assume probably so to some degree. It doesn't excuse the behavior. Uh, but another dynamic that I saw, um, the police are able to still be professional. Even when somebody is resisting arrest, being violent and angry and rude, the officers are still able to be decent. Fascinating. Adrian, thoughts here. You know what, I think that those officers really did everybody a service because had she gotten on that plane, being up at whatever thousand miles in the sky with her acting up like that, I could not, I wouldn't wish yeah. that on anyone. But yeah, I definitely appreciated the voiceover work that was fantastic. Right. Uh, and this woman, oh man, I, yeah, again, I don't know if alcohol was involved, but I do know that there was shenanigans involved and I am very, very glad that this Karen was not on the flight. Yeah, you know. Would have made for an even better video though. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we saw this train wreck happening. I told you on day one uh, that the deputy sheriff, the director uh, of the jail, assistant director aided in the escape of the inmate. It has ended in tragedy. So the manhunt is completely over. Let's put up the picture of both of them. I want to provide a little bit of background to this update. Uh, the former corrections officer Vicki White is dead. And inmate Casey White has been recaptured. The pair had reportedly been in Evansville since May 3rd in a hotel before the car chase with US Marshals on Monday. Again, Vicki White has died. She was hospitalized with a self-inflicted gunshot wound after being taken into custody following the car chase. No law enforcement officers fired shots. Uh, and the Vanderburg County Sheriff spoke with NBC Today stating the coroner's office will conduct a full investigation to make a final determination. It is not the first time White tried to escape from prison, talking about Casey White. Nor is it the first time he gained the trust of other correctional officials in 2020. While Casey White was being held in Lauderdale County's detention center, authorities learned he planned to escape the jail and take a hostage, all right? Now, I wanna remind you 
that Vicki White, the one who is now dead but helped him escape, she was able to bypass all of the protection protocols established by the actual detention center. How was she able to bypass those protocols? Well, one, she's a director, she was a director. Number two, when you have an atmosphere of corruption, you can basically wink and nod your way through anything if you have a badge, all right? That atmosphere has contributed to the right now death of Director White. Okay, let's put up a picture of the collision. It was brutal, all right? A witness told CNN the pursuit occurred on Highway 41 in Evansville Monday evening with 15 police cars flying down the highway. The US Marshals Task Force would collide with the vehicle. Vicki and Casey were in to end the pursuit, according to Vandenberg County Sheriff Dave Wedding. Let's put up the sheriff. That's Sheriff Dave Wedding. Wedding said the chase began when a vehicle matching the description of the suspects was located near the sheriff's office. They were near the sheriff's office. When the US Marshals and sheriffs arrived, Vicki White and Casey White fled. Let's go back to her original boss, the Lauderdale County Sheriff Rick Singleton. Rick Singleton initially is the one who said she was actually missing, okay? So the first day of reporting, that was the official statement from the sheriff that she was missing. Now, we said on Indisputable, she was not missing, but she in fact was part of the escape. Unfortunate reality, Singleton told CNN, he always expected that the escaped inmate and corrections officer would be caught. But he described the hunt for the two as challenging because the escape was obviously well planned and calculated. Really? Let me dissect that statement, well planned and calculated, all right? She just walked him out. There's the video, she just literally, she just walked him out. Opened the door, they walked out, there it is, you see this? All right, so this is what the sheriff calls well planned. It was just so astute, there it is, that was the escape. He's gone, he's in the wind, they get in the car, they drive off, all right? No, no, this was not Alcatraz. This was not something that you could not have caught, all right? You allowed your protocols to be violated. He continued, a lot of preparation went into this. They had plenty of resources, had cash, had vehicles, had everything they needed to pull it off. And that's what made this week and a half so challenging. We're starting from ground zero. And not only that, uh, they got a six hour head start on us. They got a six hour head start on you all because your protocols are uh, flexible for the right person, right? Okay, uh, before Vicky's death, the pair would have been brought back to the Alabama um, court for arraignment, but obviously, the only case being brought now is Casey White. Sad end, all right, very sad end. Uh, and Adrian, according to her coworkers, she was one of the best employees in the context of being a detention officer. She had risen through the ranks uh, and she was a responsible community person. But look at this, it's yeah, insane. It is and it's 
Uh, it's sad, um, you know, I do realize we're all human beings, uh, but this correction officer, everyone talked about how great she was and how exemplary she was in performing her duties and as an individual. But it seems that she got, you know, roped in with this gentleman here and ended up, you know, total derelict of duties and just became a criminal and then to take her life at the end of it. It is very sad and it does also show you that the police can take people in custody without necessarily killing them or shooting yeah. them even when they are armed. And it also shows that maybe the system isn't really looking out very much for its employees who are engaged in criminal antics. That maybe there would be fewer problems with you know misconduct from officers or individuals in law enforcement. Uh, if there were maybe some structural maybe limitations set in place so people can't just walk out and you just leave them to their own. Because it also does make you think, well, what else is going on if they were able to just That's walk right. out like this? That's right, well said. All right, we got more on the other side is indisputable, stick and stay. Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, they have now made a video game for Kyle Rittenhouse praising the fact that he's a killer. Uh, this video game is called Acquit It. Yeah, Acquit It. Let's put up the video game graphic. A company with ties to far right extremism has launched a video game that lets you play as Kyle Rittenhouse shooting your way through hordes of zombies. The game is entitled Acquit It. It promises people who are willing to pay $5 for the game, the privilege of shooting zombies in a battle of self defense versus the brain dead, right? This is a real thing. Um, this is the game's official description on the website. Um, pee bottles, bats, bike locks face the media manufactured outrage of brain dead mobs in a fully destructible, randomly generated riot zone as you try to get home from court alive each self-defense trial. Shoot, hack, blast and build walls and turrets versus tricky AI in this brutally intense shooter. Let's put up a picture of the person that created the game, okay? The game was created by Nordic. Empire Games, a Swedish company run by three young men. One man, William Hain, has links to right wing extremists. The other two men are unknown. That's William right there. Hain is the co founder, also the far right political party, Alternative for Sweden, which advocates forced repatriation of immigrants and withdrawal from the European Union. Hain was previously ousted as deputy chairperson for another Swedish political group over allegations of racist statements and leadership collaborating with neo fascists. This is their reasoning for creating the game, okay? It says, and I quote, We are three young men fully dedicated to the development of games that are fun and engaging, while at the same time staying committed to what is right and true. We, as so many others, have noticed the narratives that are repeatedly forced into modern entertainment. These narratives more than not run contrary to healthy living and many of the foundational values of Western civilization. As such, we want to create entertainment that takes a stand for the inalienable rights of each man and challenges the dominant narratives of modern media entertainment 
we have high ambitions of creating games that push culture in the right direction. And we wanna grow organically, our games are built and drawn from scratch. And we wanna bring back the fun, challenging experience of old school games. Okay, Kyle Rittenhouse killed people, Kyle Rittenhouse is a killer. All right, people are dead because of Kyle Rittenhouse. And even though he was acquitted in a courtroom, in my opinion, he will always be a killer. People are dead. Those families are impacted by these deaths. They have decided to make a video game and make money off of this killer. Now remember, I've told you this before, conservatives are very good at picking their heroes and making it about a person rather than policy because they have no policy solution. So they make it about people. This is another one of their personalities they want you to believe as a hero. The game has garnered attention obviously from far right extremists. But according to a scathing review by Kotaku, acquitted second worst sin behind trivializing two deaths is how abysmal the game itself is. They call it bad, all right? Okay, Adrian, thoughts on this? You know, as pathetic as it was to create this game, um, uplifting Rittenhouse and celebrating him as an individual, it's even worse the fact that this game sucks. Like, it just, it actually really speaks to the entire situation. And I think it's truly reflective of all the characters involved. And it just kind of makes me laugh. Nobody's gonna play it. And why are you playing a game uplifting someone who killed multiple people? That just seems. Mm, yeah, it seems very, I guess, GOP right wing aligned. Um, but yeah. also just invest in making a good game if you at least you're gonna do this. Yeah, they, listen, this is that beta testing Adrian. They're gonna end up replacing zombies with black people on that game. Watch, mm-hmm. all right. Always a pleasure having you on the show. Tell people how they can follow you and check out your great work. You can catch me on Twitter at Adrian Law, Instagram at Adrian Lawrence, and also on Rebel HQ, which is on Facebook and YouTube. You can check out my segment Overruled. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always indisputable.